This episode is brought to you by Paycor, the HR and payroll software made for leaders. It's never been harder to recruit, hire, and engage workers. That's why HR leaders and frontline managers depend on Paycor for all things people management, from onboarding and performance reviews to compensation and benefits. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome. We have been expecting you. <laughs> the Chaotic Sports Podcast is underway. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Chaotic Sports Podcast. I'm your host and lead content creator, Patrick Brown, and Welcome to Club Chaotic, y'all. It is a celebration today. If you've been following me on Twitter or Instagram the last few days, I've been teasing a little bit of festivities for Cowboys Nation today. It's it's a glorious day because last Monday night, division rival Philadelphia lost their first game to the Washington Commanders. Got a lot to say about that game. Um, this is promises to be very entertaining, fun, and epic at the expense of Eagles fans. And when I say I was not playing about this celebration, I meant exactly what I said because we heard all week about the Eagles fans. Actually, for the past several eight weeks that they were going undefeated and going to the Super Bowl and that they were better than the 72 Dolphins. For those that are not aware, the 1972 Miami Dolphins was the only undefeated team in the Super Bowl era to go undefeated and win the Super Bowl. Eagles fans stack full of themselves. But I'll discuss more of that here shortly. We're going to run through our topics here before the shenanigans begin. As you know, I just mentioned the Eagles took their first loss to the Washington Commanders in Monday Night Football. Dallas's gaffe in overtime cost them a big win in Green Bay last week as well. And I'll explain why that shouldn't have happened. Minnesota gets the best of the Buffalo Bills in an exciting finish in what was Justin Jefferson's probably the catch of the year. And I'll reiterate why I feel the Buffalo Bills cause for concern is still an issue moving forward. The San Francisco 49ers run the Los Angeles Chargers batteries down in Levi Stadium and what was a great, not necessarily a great game, but it was a low scoring game. And so at um, Levi Stadium, the chaotic truth is 
this team this week, I, I really feel bad for the individual that is stuck in this situation, in a losing situation with this particular franchise. Enough from the clown. This individual makes his second appearance on this particular segment. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, we've got a recap from week 10 in the NFL season. Our week 11 picks of the week. And just before we get the whole shenanigans started, if you have not subscribed to the Grid Sports Podcast Network, please do. It's available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, wherever you listen to your podcast, it's it's available. Uh, please like, share, comment, and subscribe to our channel. Uh, follow us on our social medias on TikTok, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also follow myself on Instagram at Chaotic Sports or on Twitter at Chaotic P. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get the club started, y'all. Uh, the song that I chose for this particular uh, uh, oh, to open up my show, I do not own the rights to, but I'm going to pause it in between so I can do some little bit of dialogue of some sort. But the song that I chose was Prince. Uh, to my younger listeners, Prince is a was a is a Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota native. You know if you've if you grew up, you know, somewhere maybe around the late 90s, early 2000s, you kind of know who Prince is. But the song that I chose was Let's Go Crazy. My older audiences, if you know the lyrics, you're more than welcome to sing along. I was going to play a short snippet of that to kind of set the stage for the uh, for the Eagles' first loss. I do not own the rights to the music. So hopefully... All goes as planned, and we're going to get this party started. I, I've been waiting for the past seven days for this particular episode. I am ready. I am stoked, pumped. Cowboys Nation, let's have some fun. Prince, get us started, please. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this Called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The Eagles lost their first game on Monday night. Let's celebrate. The afterworld. A world of never ending happiness. You can always see the sun. Day or night. Come on, y'all, let's celebrate. All right. Thank you to the legendary late Prince Rogers Nelson for blessing us with that uh, little snippet to 
get the show started sets the stage for our very first topic in which the Philadelphia Eagles suffered their first loss of the 2022 NFL season in the hands of division rival, the Washington Commanders. Ladies and gentlemen, I called this for weeks about the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. And I kept saying that and I kept sitting in my humble loft and talking to different individuals said their 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 loss is coming. It's coming. Just give it time. Everybody's like, nah, man, they they the best team in the NFL right now. They undefeated. Ladies and gentlemen, if you watch any of those eight games, what did Philadelphia do in the first half of each of those games? They blew the doors off in the first half and then they coasted it home the rest of the way. Now, before we get to the game itself on Monday night, the Washington Commanders going in with nothing to lose. That that was approved. That's a fact because Taylor Heineke being the starter, the Eagles were feeling themselves. You know, Jalen Hirsch, no MVP caliber quarterback, Nick Sirianni, you know, it, it's, it was nauseating as a lifelong Dallas Cowboys fan. And I kept sitting here and I kept saying to myself, the day they lose, they're not going to be able to handle it. And sure enough, they were awfully quiet on social media on my, after Monday night's loss. They can talk to talk, but they can't back it up. As entertaining as it, as it was, the Washington Commanders ran the ball fairly effectively effectively against the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. The Washington Commanders did what teams should be doing to help their quarterback stay uh, stay in manageable second and third downs. Unlike some teams that like to, you know, get pass happy and throw the ball, you know, 30, you know, 40, 50 times throughout the game and that's not a, an appetite for success, but the Philadelphia Eagles losing was the highlight of week uh, 10 for me, despite the Cowboys losing Sunday evening to the Green Bay Packers, which I will discuss in my next, in my next uh, topic. But nevertheless, we're going to just go, go back through this game real quick. And we're going to see here uh, team stats. We've got the Philadelphia Eagles ladies and gentlemen, had 18 first downs to Washington's 25. The biggest glaring stat for me in this game, third down efficiency. Washington went 12 of 21 in third down efficiency. It felt like they was converting third downs the majority of the first half. I mean, with the run and then, you know, the short pass game. The Eagles defense got gassed because they could not stop the run. That is something, if you've got a dynamic duel of running backs, which they had Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, they were going to run the, the ball down the Eagles' throat, in which they did. Total plays, Washington had 81 to Philadelphia's 47. Again, Washington drained the clock by running the football and keeping a high-powered offense like Philadelphia off the field it's the key to success running the football more on that here shortly with their passing game they had 
178 yards to Philly's 170. They had 10 drives apiece. Yards per play was pretty even. But the rushing yards for Philip for uh Washington 152 yards to Philadelphia's 94. Ladies and gentlemen, the Washington Commanders did what the Dallas Cowboys should be doing at this particular point, running the football, run the ball. The turnovers was 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 uh was in favor of, you know, Washington had two to uh, Philadelphia's four. And the time of possession, Washington finished with 40 minutes and 24 seconds to Philadelphia's 19 minutes and 36 seconds. So, case in point, running the football drains the clock. I cannot stress that enough. Running the football pays dividends. It's not it's not real attractive. It's not appealing. But when you've got running backs that can you got thunder and lightning in a bottle, and they can just wear a defense down. That's going to be your formula for success. Washington took advantage of it, and they just kept running. Taylor Heineke played fairly well. I, I kid you not. I was actually surprised that he played well as he did without, you know, he had that one bad interception, but finished 17-29, 211 yards with the, with the interception no touchdown passes. Brian Robinson Jr., 26 carries for 86 yards and a touchdown. And scary Terry McLaurin, eight receptions for 128 yards, no touchdowns. It felt like Terry McLaurin was cooking the Eagles secondary with Darius Slay back there, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And it, 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 every time I looked up, the, Terry McLaurin was, was cooking the Eagles secondary. That I've been hearing about all year that is better than most of the secondaries in the NFL. Jalen Hurts, you know, the MVP caliber quarterback that, you know, everybody's been harping on. He's surpassed Dak Prescott as the best quarterback in the NFC East and uh, this, that, and the third. 17 to 26, 175 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Miles Sanders, 12 carries. 54 yards. Uh, Watkins, the receiver, who I don't know what his this dude was thinking. All he had to do is go to the ground, and they have prime position to, you know, cash in on that. But I he the, the that was a that was a game turning point right there. Was that moment right there when Watkins fumbled the ball trying to run and just I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. Philadelphia, I need y'all to explain to me why you thought that you were going to go undefeated and why you thought that you were better than the 1972 Miami Dolphins who went undefeated and won a Super Bowl. I hate this narrative that the national media tries to spin about certain individuals and certain teams. The media themselves got full because, oh, they were just in all of, you know, Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni and the Philadelphia Eagles and like uh, all this other bull jive. It was just like, man, y'all y'all need to, you know, get out the bird's nest because 
when they expect for you, when you expect them to win a big game, they're not going to be able to. And my point was proven on Monday night. As much as I despise the Eagles, I'm glad that they lost. I take great pride in the Eagles losing. If if my Cowboys lose during during the course of the of the Sunday slate of games, Washington is still in the playoff hunt right now. They are. If Taylor Heineke keeps keeps playing like this, Carson Wentz is not getting his job back. That's already been abundantly clear. He's more poised, and he doesn't screw it up. Carson Wentz would have lost that game. I I kid you not. He would have lost that game in Philadelphia in his homecoming back to, you know, where he got drafted in 2016 and was the number two pick overall by the the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and, and there's no more that you say about that. I don't want to hear no more about Carson Wentz for the remaining of the NFL season because this is it for him in Washington. Taylor Heineke is good enough to win the ball games. You've got a dynamic duel in the, in the run game. Uh, Terry McLaurin is a very underrated receiver and what he's able to do to, to defenses in the secondary is is I just I like watching even though he is a division rival receiver Ron Rivera the the uh, touching moment after the game and the you know post you know in the locker room you know saying you know found out that his mother passed away my deepest condolences to the Rivera family and those guys won that game for coach Ron Rivera on the flip side of that, the Washington Commanders got a little bit too celebratory on the flight back to D.C. As uh, Taylor Heineke had, you know, they was ice. They see the drip that he had with the necklaces, and there were a few players drinking some some alcohol, and that got disciplined by the by the Commanders of organization. You know, this was inexcusable behavior, and we understand it's a big win and all, but. You got to be responsible because you're drinking on a flight home from a big win and you still got to drive yourself back to your house. And the last thing that that the organization wants is one of their, you know, star players getting, you know, a DUI after a big win and then possibly missing uh, the game the following week for a silly act. But the Washington Commanders, thank you. Thank you for beating division rival Philadelphia on Monday Night Football. This is the second time in the last two seasons that the Washington Commanders have ended a team's undefeated season. The first team being the, the 2020 Steelers, which they started 11-0. And how well did that work out for Pittsburgh after after that, you know, that hot start? Philadelphia, there is a lot to be concerned about. Um... Nick Sirianni is he's a decent coach, but when they fall behind, that they they look like they want to panic. And Jalen Hurts is only gonna be able to give you so much. AJ Brown got nicked up a little bit. Devontae Smith, he played okay, but the biggest injury was, you know, Dallas Goddard with the I think it was the shoulder injury, so he's gonna be out for, for a little bit. But the Eagles are still eight and one. I'm just glad we don't have to hear about them going undefeated they've got a pretty brutal schedule the rest of the way you know they got the Packers in 10 days and you just got to play the Titans and the Giants the Cowboys um 
that and the Saints. So they're probably gonna have at least two to three more losses between now and the end of the season because once again, if you go up against a team that could run the ball very well, you're gonna lose. And I know they added uh Robert Quinn and Livino Joseph and they just signed the Davica Sue last week to shore up that defensive line, but well I mean I mean, I can't sit here that I, I say I like it, what they done, because that tells me that they're in win-now mode. But you've got to, you got grounded for a little bit. You got to come back down to reality, and now you can move on with the rest of the season with that one loss, and maybe you'll have four losses by the end of the season, if not five, because your schedule the rest of the way is not pretty. It's favorable, but you still have to go out and win some games. In order to kind of put yourself in that number one, uh, that first round bye and in the playoffs, but I think that if you're feeling pretty good, you know the last two weeks of the regular season, I think that number one seed is a disadvantage. I I believe it is. I understand that that number one seed, you want to get some guys healthy, but at the same time, you got that extra week off where teams that are in the wild card rounds are still playing. They're going to come in with some momentum. But if y'all lose in the division round, oh my goodness. You think today is bad when, you know, with the celebration that I plan? I'm definitely going to act a bigger fool on this show whenever we get to the second week of January, whenever the division round comes and goes. Nevertheless, I'm going to enjoy this because it makes the next topic a little bit easier to transition to with my Dallas Cowboys speaking of which the Dallas Cowboys Green Bay Packers my team had a 28-14 lead in the third quarter we quit running the football Tony Pollard was having a very good game Dak played good through the second quarter all the way up until midway through the fourth. It's it's one thing that you you start to get full of yourselves. But football, ladies and gentlemen, you have to play for 60 minutes. You can't play for three and a half quarters and expect to pull a rabbit out the hat at the end of the game. Once the Packers started getting some momentum, started running the football, and this defense couldn't stop a paper cut to save their life, the Green Bay Packers took the momentum and they ran with it. Christian Watson, ladies and gentlemen, looked like a number one receiver in the league. I kid you not. This rookie's had a rough start to his career. The Green Bay Packers were in a disarray. But one thing you can never take away from Aaron Rodgers, he is a psychological owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Look at the record. It was a game that we should have won, but we didn't. Even in overtime, we just, whenever we went for it on that on that fourth down right there at midfield, I would have took the field goal. I would have gave myself a chance to win that game with, with those points. You got to take the points. Mike McCarthy elected to go for it. I don't understand why you didn't run the football instead of throwing it. It feels like when Dak is pressed, he forces throws that aren't there. 
I don't know if that's just he's trying to he's trying to make a play, but when Green Bay secondary was draped all over CD Lamb and Gallup, and we just we abandoned the run, and it drives me crazy because Kellen Moore does not commit to the run. What did Green Bay do to get themselves back into the game? Running the football. You got to run the football to help your quarterback. That's what the Packers did. And then they was able to put Aaron Rodgers on the move and just just let him make those throws that he normally makes. But ladies and gentlemen, that game was a kick to the gut with the Cowboys losing. I kid you not. I was disappointed because you had the ball start overtime. You drained most of the clock. And then to lose it the way that we done, I kept sitting there thinking, a Tony Pollard touchdown is coming. Let's just keep running the football because Green Bay is getting tired. And what did they do to us? They ran it. Once Aaron Jones got free, that was it. And then whenever A.J. Dillon had, I think it was A.J. Dillon had that big run, that was it. It, it was like, well, this is this game over. I, I was disappointed because the Packers wanted that game more than we did. Regardless of how bad they had been playing throughout the first part of this season, they did. They don't mentally check out. Despite all of the issues that Aaron Rodgers has had with his receiving core, this team never checks out mentally. Now, on the flip side of that, the Dallas Cowboys' biggest problem is stopping the run on defense. That is a big cause for concern with this run defense. I'm not worried about the pass defense. I do believe losing Jordan Lewis with the Achilles uh, tear was a blow to the secondary. I'm not too confident in uh, Kelvin Joseph. Trayvon's going to hold his own, but this it just feels like that was a blow to the secondary. Demarcus Lawrence... Is still fairly good against the run. Micah Parsons was almost missing throughout the game. And I know that this team took, you know, they were they were kind of teed off right now. They should be. And it's just you, you have to keep yourself mentally focused. When you get a double-digit lead, it comes down to coaching, play calling. This team is still undisciplined in situational football you get a positive yard on yardage on first down it's usually a hold that's another another it's a five or ten yard you go backwards so it's constantly we beat ourselves with these mental mistakes you eliminate the mental mistakes mike mccarthy keeps his team disciplined keller moore commits to the run we can be a lot better than what we are right now cowboys nation i cannot make this up We've all seen it. We're all feeling it. But we just got to keep running the football. We have to. We cannot abandon the run just because we get a, we got a two-score lead and you want Dak to just throw the ball around. You give the opposing defense an opportunity. Like, oh, y'all, y'all got this lead, but y'all ain't trying to hold on to it. Okay, we're going to, you know, apply some pressure and we're going to take away your number one option and your number two. So you got to go to your third read. And you're going to abandon the run. Okay, that that's that's easy to figure out. 
this offense has no creativity. It's too predictable. We we all have been saying that for the past three or four years since Caleb Moore has been the offensive coordinator and back when Scott Linehan was the offensive coordinator. There's no creativity. You've got the you've got the guys that can be playmakers, but as we've seen before, this front office dictates who gets the ball on offense. When Des Bryant said it a few years ago after he was released, everybody thought Des was just talking at the side of his neck. He was just under the, going through the motions of being released. Cole Beasley said it whenever he went to Buffalo in 2019. Everybody thought that Cole, uh, Cole Beasley is just a role player. He don't know what he's talking about. Then you see what Amari Cooper there's a pattern here, ladies and gentlemen. I'll even go as far back as 2008 when T.O. was released and this all come about that the front office was dictating who was getting the ball and this sat in the third. You're not going to be able to win football games without your playmakers. You're going to need those guys because if they're not mentally checked in, they're not going to be checked in at all. And that's been a big problem the last few years. Jerry Jones, once he's in charge of everything that goes on with the Dallas Cowboys, he's in on coaches' meetings, he's on the radio, all this other stuff. If he would be more like uh, Robert Kraft in New England, just sit back and chill, enjoy the success, enjoy the wins. He's not in everything that's going on with the New England Patriots, as far as personnel and you know the coaching staff goes. That's that's not his mo. He cuts the checks enjoys the success, and that's it. That's why the Patriots were able to have a, uh, almost two decades, a decade and a half plus of success going to Super Bowls year in and year out, being a title contender. Belichick coach, Robert Kraft just wrote the checks, and everybody was happy. Now, credit, there was some issues near the end with Tom Brady and uh, Coach Bill Belichick, but we see now who was really responsible for the Patriots' success in New England. And I'll even go as far back to the to the 90s when the Cowboys were going to Super Bowls. You know, go, to, go three out of the last four years, you know, from 92, 92 through 95. If Jerry Jones had not fired Jimmy Johnson, that team could have dominated the 90s without question. We had talent. Troy Aikman, Emma Smith, Michael Irvin. Uh, this offensive line was sensational. Doomsday 2 defense. Jimmy Johnson was the architect of building that team. A loose cannon like Charles Haley in his prime. You can argue that he was the second best player, defensive player, in that era out behind Lawrence Taylor. You can argue that. I would say 1A and 1B. But when the success started, you know, coming for for Jerry Jones, he started adding all these titles to his his resume and the ego and everything else that came with winning interfered with the Cowboys success when Jimmy Johnson was fired. To me, that was the biggest mistake Jerry Jones has made as being the owner of the Dallas Cowboys and Cowboys fans of the 90s. We all know what Jimmy Johnson meant to that team. It divided everybody in that locker room because they loved Jimmy. They feared him. 
they were afraid of making mistakes because that loss last week to Green Bay doesn't happen on Jimmy Johnson's watch. It does not happen. He would have said, we're going to run the football with Emmitt Smith. He would have told Norv Turner, run the football with Emmitt. Not throw it unless we have to. Mike McCarthy? Eh. Kellen Moore, I'll let you make that call. Okay, let's let's get past happy because you know I'm I'm the next best, you know, I'm Bill Walsh Jr. I I I I'm I'm gonna do what I wanna do and you know make this make this seem easy. Kellen Moore's probably gone after this year. I don't care what anybody says. I I want to go beyond the first round of the NFL playoffs. Cause back in the day, players feared Jimmy Johnson. They feared that coach's staff. Players on this roster, they don't fear Mike McCarthy. They don't fear Keller Moore. Everybody's too buddy-buddy. And that's why it, I would rather have a coach who's going to hold players accountable. Leaders have to be leaders. Dak Prescott is the leader in the Faces franchise. He's got to hold everyone accountable, including himself. That's one of the things that I, as a Cowboys fan, have kind of been watching with Dak the last few years is when the going gets tough, he hangs in there, and whenever he loses games, it's it's the end of the world because the media runs wild with it, and they're going to continue to hold that dark cloud over his head until he can win big games that matter because it's 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 disappointing at times, and I don't want to look at Dak as part of the reason or a biggest portion of it, but at the end of the day, Dak's got to, you know, he's got to take the rings, and we got to get over this hump, man. We have to get over this hump. We've got the run game is intact. We know who we are on offense. We're a run-first team. The defense has their identity. If they can fix the run game, that we can go places. This receiving core is still the weakest link, in my humble opinion. We just signed Antonio Galloway, Calloway and Tack McKinley to the practice squad. And one thing I'll say about Antonio Calloway, he'll make catches in traffic that CeeDee Lamb won't make. Tack McKinley is a loose cannon that this defense desperately needs. They need somebody with some edges some some nastiness to him. He was drafted by Dan Quinn in Atlanta back in 2017, which, you know, we all know if the Cowboys take T.J. Watt over uh, Taco Charlton, look how well it worked out for Pittsburgh. Taco Charlton only lasted not even three seasons before he was traded in 2019 to the Miami Dolphins. That's a different subject for a different day. But nevertheless, this this Cowboys team will only will go as the quarterback goes. He's got he he's got to put it on his shoulders. He's 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 got to. As much as I love him, whenever we lose games like that, it's like, man, it's it's not his fault, but the media will spin that narrative that well, they'll talk about what he done bad in the first half. But we'll just ignore what good he did in the second half to get this team back in position to win this game. Take away the two interceptions. Dak Prescott played a pretty good game, in my humble opinion. It, he can't play defense. That's on the defense for blowing the two-touchdown lead. 
they're the ones that gave the 14 points up to put the, to give the Packers back in this game. Then the pressure was on him to try to force something to make it happen. Dak, we, we blew a 14-point lead. Can you uh, pull a rabbit at your hat and, you know, lead us to victory? I'll see what I can do. And nevertheless, whenever he doesn't do it, all fingers point to Rain Dakota Prescott. And it's sad. I just hope for the sake of argument that Dak can get a real head coach next year. I'm serious. Get rid of Kellen Moore. Go get a real head coach. But as long as this front office is not wanting to improve the team and look at this roster and say, uh, you know, we're weak in one era. Let's go out and, and, you know, make a push, for, be aggressive. Being aggressive means you got to give up something to get something in return. That's all I'm saying. I remember a time Jerry Jones would go get a primetime Deion Sanders, a Charles Haley, you know, a T.O., you know. It didn't matter. We we liked our guys, but I, I want to win now. That's not the case in 2022. We draft really well, but we're still playing a salary cap bowl while other teams are passing us by. As I sit here in my humble loft, I just hope that someday that we can eventually get some star power in Dallas. You got the quarterback, but can the quarterback take us there? We've got the roster, but can this roster hold up? Head coach is a disadvantage. Offensive coordinator is a disadvantage. Those are two areas that I feel is going to hurt us. You know, if we're trying to compete in the NFC, which is very much wide open with the downfall of the Packers, the Buccaneers are starting to get their footing. The Rams are not making the playoffs, as I discussed in length a week before last, and the chaotic truth is, the Giants, uh, I'm not so sure about them. We know what the Eagles and Vikings are. Nevertheless, Dallas, we've got to close these games out like this. We have to close out close games. We have to. No ifs, ands, or buts. You cannot put the ball in a in a quarterback's hands who you know is going to torture your secondary and your and your your defensive front with the run game. That is going to be detrimental as we move forward unless it's addressed. But now that we've got that out the way, let's go ahead and go to what was probably the game of the day, which was Buffalo and Minnesota. Buffalo still has some issues. They abandon the run and then they rely on Josh Allen to bail them out. Josh Allen is... Dealing with an elbow injury. They can only do so much. This defense is... I almost feel like it's middle of the road right now. As great as a coach as uh, Sean McDermott is. this It feels like this team is going to be a wild card right now. Since that big win over Kansas City a few weeks ago before their bye. The, the Buffalo Bills have not been the same team. I don't know what it is. But Josh Allen, once again, throws a costly interception that cost the Buffalo Bills a game. And what's crazy is Justin Jefferson's catch was the catch of the year. I'm not even going to lie. The degree of difficulty was like, wow. The Minnesota Vikings came back, they hung in there, and they got the win in overtime. 
Buffalo Bills, you've got some serious issues to really attest to right now, and that's starting with your run offense. You've got Stephon Diggs, one of the best receivers in football. Dawson Knox, uh, Gabe Davis. You got Devin Singletary, Naheem Himes. But if you ain't got no run game, Josh Allen is gonna probably lose a game in the postseason. That's gonna be like, wow, that's a game you should have won, but you didn't. Josh Allen, as great as he is, is starting to look a little shaky right now. I think he tries to do too much. And then he forces his throws. And that's where the Buffalo Bills are losing games. Is with Josh Allen making these ill-advised throws. And with costly interceptions. They've got their work cut out for them. As much as I like Josh Allen. I do believe that they'll get this right. But they're in a very crowded AFC East right now. The Miami Dolphins are sitting in first place. The Jets are second. And the Bills are third. I hope and pray that the citizens in Buffalo, New York are safe and you're staying warm. As you all are aware that they moved the game to Detroit where they're taking on the Cleveland Browns this afternoon. And they played the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving at Ford Field before they had hopefully head back to Buffalo and try to, you know, get a regain a sense of normalcy and get some time away you know 10 days off to kind of get ready for their, their next game in two weeks but I think the Buffalo Bills are in trouble I know that they were AFC picked to go to the Super Bowl but I'm not so sure about that right now I, I honestly I don't know if they're going to make it to the AFC championship game now with this run offense and not with Josh Allen th- turning the ball over in crucial moments of the game I don't know because if they get an unfavorable matchup in the first round and they got to travel, I think they would lose. That's just being honest. Whether they have to go to Cincinnati or Baltimore or they got to, who's to say they don't get a first round matchup with uh, the Miami Dolphins if, you know, the Dolphins win the AFC East. That would be an interesting matchup because the Dolphins would be favored by at least three and a half, maybe a three point favorite. So, Buffalo's got some work to do. They've got a lot of work to do over the next seven or eight weeks to finish out the regular season going into the postseason. Minnesota, are they for real? Are they a Super Bowl contender? We don't know. Because the one thing that's still glaring to them, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has one playoff win in his five seasons as the starter for the Minnesota Vikings. And that came against New Orleans in 2019 over a missed offensive pass interference on Kyle Rudolph against the New Orleans Saints. But other than that, we're going to find out about Minnesota over the next few weeks if they are a pretender or contender. Moving on to our Sunday night game, which featured the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Chargers in Santa Clara, California at Levi Stadium. I feel sorry for Justin Herbert. I really do. For a head coach that is not no situational football. How do you have three timeouts left in a minute and I think it was a minute and 50 seconds left in regulation? You're and you you don't, you know, take a timeout and punt the ball to 
you know, give your defense an opportunity, which have been playing fairly well for the most part, to kick it back, you know, give it back, you know, give yourself a chance. But, you know, what does Brandon Staley do? They go for it on fourth down, and it was a disaster. The San Francisco 49ers, ladies and gentlemen, if they can get a favorable matchup in the playoffs, I think they can run that momentum all the way to the Super Bowl. I would put them above the Philadelphia Eagles right now. And I've been saying that for, for the last couple weeks. Despite their record, they're playing a lot better than what it's shown. They've got Kyle Shanahan, one of the most brilliant offensive minds in football outside of the great Andy Reid. They've got one of the most explosive playmakers in Debo Samuel. They've got a pretty good run game. They just added Christian McCaffrey. They've got George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. They got the premier offensive line of football right now. Great defense led by Nick Bosa. This this 49ers team, to me, is is probably I would put them over Philly and Minnesota. And that you you can we can we can you can inbox me that and we'll talk about it. But what I just said and mentioned is why the, the 49ers to me are going to be a tough out in the postseason. But back to this game. Justin Herbert couldn't do so much. Brandon Staley is not that good of a coach. You can just see the body language of some of these players. It's like, man, we're in these games where we just can't get over the hump because of our head coach. This is going to be one of the reasons why that the uh, Chargers will likely miss the playoffs and part of their head coach. Keenan Allen's been in and out of the lineup. Mike Williams has been hurt. They've pretty much, it's Austin Eckler and some role players to kind of keep this team afloat. And they're at pretty much telling Justin Herbert to lead the way every week in spite of all that. You've got a defense with Khalil Mack. Joy Bosa's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, Darwin James, uh, Asante Samuel Jr. They've, uh, J.C. Jackson's, uh, that is kind of feeling like a big disappointment of a free agent signing right now. This Chargers team is only going to go as far as Justin Herbert takes them. Brandon Staley is not that guy right now for, that this team needs. They need a head coach that can put some light of fire underneath of them. The Chargers are like the Los Angeles Clippers. They don't have much of a fan base because most of their fans reside in San Diego, California before they move to Los Angeles. But the 49ers... Their team that I'm keeping a close eye on moving forward for the rest of the season. Jimmy Garoppolo is still the one player that could mess this up. And I'm going to tell you why. When the going gets tough, Jimmy Garoppolo can make the ill-advised mistake at the wrong time. We've seen this time and time again. Just be a game manager, run the football, get some play action, get Debo involved, and, let, and just let the run game carry us. The defense is going to do their thing. And if Jimmy Garoppolo blows this blows this season, do they keep him? Or do they try to trade him? Are they sure about Trey Lance moving forward? Are they sure he's their quarterback of the future? We haven't seen a whole lot of him. But nevertheless, the 49ers are in a good spot. I think they're getting ready to 
take flight and they're going to run away with that NFC West, which they likely will because they've already swept the Rams and they beat the Seahawks once. They've got the Cardinals this afternoon. I don't know what the rest of your schedule looks like, but they've got some pretty, they've got a pretty good roster that can go as far as they want to go. And if Jimmy Garoppolo messes it up, shame on them. Moving on to our next our next segment, I should say, next topic, I should say. And it's one of my favorite segments on the show. And it's this is probably one of the things that kind of I hate it for this individual because he's stuck in a franchise that doesn't value winning. And you have a front office that looks this uh dysfunctional and i i really as much as he's undervalued and underappreciated i feel sorry for him and if you know where this particular uh topic is it's called the chaotic truth is and this week's uh recipient is this episode is brought to you by paycor paycor empowers leaders to build winning teams With Paycor, leaders can recruit, onboard and train employees, set goals, and drive performance. If you're a leader, everyone depends on you. Who do leaders depend on? Paycor. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. The the Las Vegas Raiders and Derek Carr. Sadly, the Las Vegas Raiders... Are in a bad spot right now. I really believe that Josh McDaniels was a bad hire for this team. We all can agree that Mark Davis has run this franchise into the ground since his father, the great Al Davis, passed away back in 2013, I believe. With everything that Derek Carr has dealt with since being drafted by the Raiders. Last year, head coach controversy. A tragedy with with Henry Ruggs that took the life of a, a young woman and her and her dog, which he's good was released by the Raiders. Then, you know, this team right before the biggest game of their season, one of their players was got pulled, got got uh, had a DUI prior to the game against Indianapolis. Not to mention, Damon Arnett, their first round pick, was wanting to play real life Call of Duty on social media by brandishing weapons. Derek Carr, this past week, was in tears. Because that team is a mess. That front office is a mess. They added Devontae Adams. And and it's just been... Josh McDaniels needs to be fired after this season. It's either going to be Josh McDaniels or Derek Carr. And if I'm Derek Carr, I would try to get out if I can. 
because the Raiders clearly don't appreciate him. I really like Derek Carr. He's undervalued and under underappreciated because he plays for the Raiders and we're and all over, you know, the Patrick Mahomes of the world and Josh Allens and Herberts and, and Joe Burrows. Derek Carr is a consistent quarterback. He's not gonna blow you off the off the map with astronomical numbers. But things that that you don't that we don't take into credibility, leadership. When you see your franchise quarterback at the podium crying, figure questioning does this team in front office care about winning as much as he does? That to me says I can't be, I can't deal with y'all much longer. What am I to do? I'm only one person. He can't go to the front office and air his grievances because they would probably look at him and it'll go one ear and out the other. So the media will say, dang, this guy deserves better, and he does. I think Mark Davis should just fire Josh McDaniels if after the season, or better just do it like right now. If I were in Derek Carr, Derek Gar's uh, position, I would tell my teammates, "We've let's let's rally together, let's get on the same page." Josh McDaniels cannot coach for nothing. They messed this up. And I did a live, an IG live with my podcast brother and great teammate, Bryson Carver. Shout out to him. And the AFC West, to me, was going to be the best division of football with all the moves that have been made. You know, new faces and new places and everything that was going on in that division. And... It feels like that we've been let down with that division. The Chargers are the Chargers are losing games they should be winning. The later the Raiders are losing close football games. The Broncos are Broncos country. Can y'all can y'all get a win? Nathaniel Hackett can't coach either. But back to the Raiders. If Al Davis are still alive, I don't think he hires. Uh, Josh McDaniels. Al Davis does not make that hire for Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels should have stayed in New England. But how is it that a offensive coordinator who had Tom Brady for 20 seasons, you know, between the stint of being in Denver and then going back to New England, he was a head coaching candidate for the Colts, and he backed out of it at the last second that, you know, had a handshake deal. He goes back to New England. That's how they ended up hiring Frank Wright, who is unemployed at the moment. Josh McDaniels is terrible. I didn't think I would see the day that a Derek Carr-led team would be this bad. Last year, when all the odds were stacked against them at 6-7, and seven, they won their last four games and got into the playoffs. With Rich Passaccia as an interim head coach, they got to the playoffs at 10-7. They just ran out of field and time against that wildcard game in Cincinnati. They had a team last year. I felt Rich Versace should have gotten the job. They respected him. They played hard. Josh McDaniels this year, they done nothing. It's a dysfunctional franchise. 
this franchise has not this franchise has been a shambles since the tuck the tuck game against the Patriots in the divisional round back in 2002 they got to the Super Bowl in 2003 the year after that the Raiders haven't had much success since they've drafted poorly going back with Jamarcus Russell and they've just it's been a disaster the Raiders are a very loyal fan base most of their fans reside in Los Angeles and Oakland, California, respectively. But this Raiders team, it feels like their season's over with. And the chaotic truth is that Derek Carr, for everything he's been through, needs to be put in a better situation moving forward. Whether he requests a trade to go play for a contender or Josh McDaniels is gone after this year. They've done cut players that they drafted who were first-round picks. They didn't pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option. They let go of some uh, Alex Leatherford, who was the left tackle, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jonathan Abram is, I think he got released. This Raiders team needs to start over again, whether Derek Carr's there or not. As undervalued and underappreciated as he is, I want to see this guy compete for a Super Bowl. I really do. He's been in the shadows of the other quarterbacks and athletes throughout, you know, his his eight years, nine seasons as a quarterback. He's been to the playoffs twice and he's 0-2. You give him the right head coach, the right roster, this Raiders team can compete. This not going to be this year because Josh McDaniels took the job and it doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. He really doesn't. I I can't explain it, but just from what I've seen from this team, it's, it's, it's a wrap for them for this year. I don't see them getting to the playoffs. They'll have a high draft pick, if that, but it feels like they're going to have to find their next head coach. Some names to keep in mind. D'Amico Ryans from the San Francisco 49ers, who is the defensive coordinator. Um, Brian Flores' his name's going to come up. Eric Bieniemy. They're Those are the three coaches that I would keep my eye on if I'm at front office trying to find the next head coach to lead my team you know, to compete for championships. Because we've seen there's been some good coordinators that don't translate to head coaches. Josh McDaniels got the job because he looks the part. He was at a, he had Tom Brady come from the New England Patriots, had a lot of success, but he was an offensive coordinator. His biggest accomplishment throughout his tenure being an offensive coordinator was orchestrating the slot receivers into a, a dominant position in football. Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, and Danny Amendola. The three probably... Best slot receivers, in my humble opinion, in NFL history. There's probably some that I forgot, but I know for a fact those are the three that come to my mind whenever I think of slot receivers. But nevertheless, the Las Vegas Raiders, the chaotic truth is, Derek Carr deserves better. He does. I can't stress that enough. So hopefully after this season... Mark Davis will look at Josh Virginia and say, we, you're not our coach. You got to go. 
we we can't have our quarterback you know crying at the podium and they've come out and supported Josh McDaniels which was you know the wise thing to do but deep in their hearts they're not listening to Josh McDaniels they're not and I feel sorry for Derek Carr and I hope that he can put himself in a better position to go compete for a Super Bowl with another team or they fire Josh McDaniels that's the chaotic truth for today we're going to move on to our next topic which is another favorite of my listeners and I'm going to have the legendary actor Michael J. White introduce my favorite segment and this NBA player who made it this week was not a surprise but since all he wants to do is hoop we're about to talk about it take us away Mike enough from the clown enough from the clown this week's recipient is Kevin Durant Kevin Durant ladies and gentlemen shamed his teammates in a I think it was a, a, a he in a podcast uh, segment that he did with Chris Haynes from the Athletic, who covers the Golden State Warriors, if I'm not mistaken. And Kevin Durant is is one of those players. The skill set second to none. Seven foot can do anything on the basketball court. Can hit the mid range. He's a 50, 40, 90. Uh, basketball player, two-time NBA champion, uh, MVP, gold, uh, multiple gold medal winner. But one thing that I've been saying about Kevin Durant the last several years, Kevin Durant is not a leader. Kevin Durant's not built for adversity or controversy. All he wants to do is play basketball. The Brooklyn Nets, there seems to be some discontent with the team with his teammates. The reason I say that is when you go on and say you're give your team your starting five, you're supposed to be a leader, but you don't throw shame at them. How can they look at you on a nightly basis if you're not leading by example? Kevin Durant is just a follower. This we know. If I'm a GM and I want to build my franchise, I'm not going to build it with Kevin Durant in all honesty. Because when the going gets tough, I need it. I need my star player to be a leader. I need my star player to galvanize the locker room. I need him to rally the troops, push everybody in practice. Then you want to bring up, you know, Steve Kerr, or not Steve Kerr, but Steve Nash. Remember, this is the head coach that you wanted. This is the head coach that, you know, you built a relationship in Golden State. Steve Nash didn't push everybody in practice. Whose fault is that? Part of it's the head coach. But if you're the star player and you built your reputation on being the best player on the planet, you have to push the team, Kevin Durant. You have to push him. Michael Jordan done it. Kobe done it. Magic, Bird, all the NBA greats, they pushed their teammates to be better. That's how they won championships. 
Reboot your credit card with Apple Card. It gives you unlimited daily cash back that can earn 4.15% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account. A high-yield, low-effort way to grow your money with no fees. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone to start earning and growing your daily cash with savings today. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings is available to Apple Card owners. Subject to eligibility. Savings accounts by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. They they may have come across this pricks and anal but look at it championships you got your your champion kd but you don't have leadership capabilities that's not your thing and he admitted that that's not his thing kevin durant has been in a situation where everything is perfect culture coaching roster he doesn't have that in brooklyn his teammate who supposed to come back Tonight against, uh, I think they're playing the Memphis Grizzlies. It's supposed to come back. Kyrie Irving, after an eight-game hiatus from the whole fiasco of the 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 post to the the film and whatnot, we discussed that at length. This Brooklyn Nets team will not make the playoffs with all these distractions. Lo and behold, push comes to shove. Kyrie will be on his best behavior for a few weeks. And then he'll disappear. He'll take PTO. And PTO, pay time off. It's another distraction. Kevin Durant, he doesn't want to lead. Go to practice. Supposed to do go to practice. Weight lift, film session. That's it. He doesn't want to lead. He doesn't want the responsibilities of being a leader. That's why when I look at Kevin Durant and he says the things that he says, I just kind of, it's cringeworthy. It's very Aaron Rodgers-esque in my humble opinion. Because he doesn't want to take accountability for himself, but it's everybody else's fault if, you know, the team doesn't win. He done his part. He go get you, you know, 35 and, and 11, but this is a team that got blown off the floor by the Sacramento Kings by giving up 153 points. But, oh, Kevin Durant still scored 27. Yeah, and a blowout loss. But I didn't see that same energy from the media when Kevin Durant this team got blown out by the Sacramento Kings. But heaven forbid if it's the Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the 76ers, the four teams that we all consider to be title contenders, that you give up 153 points, you're going to point the finger at your star player. One thing I say about Kevin Durant, and I'm going to keep saying this from now until the day he retires, Kevin Durant is not built for adversity. He's very thin-skinned. He has burner accounts if he wants to take shots at the media and the fans. LeBron doesn't have a burner account, neither does Steph or Giannis. But we hold Kevin Durant to a different accountability than we do the superstar players and Giannis, LeBron, Steph, and Joel Embiid to a degree, Luka Doncic, Dame Lillard, Ja Morant, Zion Wilson. We hold them to a different accountability. But Kevin Durant, eh, best player on the planet. No, he also get go get you 30, 35. But if you're not winning, that that's those are what empty calories. Kevin Durant, I need you to be a leader. They pushed all the chips in the middle of the table for you. So they can go win a championship. Be in title contention. But you saying this stuff is discontent with your teammates. That's uh, that's discouragement. Because when the going gets tough, 
those guys are going to check out. And I don't blame them. I'm going to look at the leader of this team, the face of this franchise, and say, you need to step up and be the leader. Be a man. Hold yourself accountable. Don't worry about us. We're your teammates, but we need you to be a leader. Kyrie, on the other hand, that dynamic, I, I don't know how this has been able to go on for you know almost four seasons. But nevertheless, I'm tired of Kevin Durant's shenanigans. As great as a player as he is, there's no denying that. But his leadership is, on a scale of 1 to 5, it's a 1. That's no exaggeration. As long as someone else can be the leader and he can be the sidekick, it's all that matters. But when you want to start your own team and build your own thing, this is some of the stuff you got to deal with. Everybody criticizes for LeBron and Steph for what they do. But at the end of the day, they hold themselves accountable. And when there's shortcomings, they they take it personal. But at the end of the day, they're human beings. Kevin Durant, well, you know, this player didn't play right. Uh, this player was injured. I don't see the same energy when it's the Warriors or the Bucks or any other title contending team. I don't see that. Kevin Durant is coddled, and it's sad. It's really sad because when his career is over with, what are we going to remember Kevin Durant for? What is going to be the one thing on his resume that we're going to sit back and say, yeah, Kevin Durant did that. He was the best player on a championship team at Golden State for four for three seasons. 2017 Warriors is the greatest offensive assembled team in league history. I would I would say the 96 Bulls, but for skill set, there's no arguing that the 27 Warriors, 2017 Warriors, was arguably the best team ever assembled in NBA history. As much as I am of a fan of the NBA and the 96 Bulls were just on another level, Michael Jordan was on another level. That Warriors team ripped through the playoffs without a problem until they they only had one loss, and that was to the to the Spurs, if I'm not mistaken. No, it was to the Cavaliers in the in the uh, in the finals in Game Four. That was the only loss, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, but back to the to the to the topic at hand. Kevin Durant, it's time to be a leader. Brooklyn Nets. You need to start holding Kevin Durant accountable. There's no leadership. It's all lip service. And it's disgusting. And it's sad that we had to talk about this almost every week. About what Kevin Durant hasn't done. What has he done lately? Nothing. Moving on to our NFL picks of the week. For week 11. Recap of week 10. I, you know... Commanders beat the Eagles, 49ers beat the Chargers. We had some we had some pretty decent games, but we're going to go ahead and do our our week 11 picks and we're going to get the music started here momentarily. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our week 11 picks for the 2022 NFL season. Here we go. Alright, first game on tap. The Atlanta Falcons hosting the Chicago Bears. Now, 
the Atlanta Falcons have been in some games the last, you know, several weeks. It's desperation time for them as they embark on trying to get into the postseason. Coming into this game, Chicago Bears have rushed for over 200 yards in which they're 1-3 in three in their last four games. The only win being against the New, New England Patriots on Monday Night Football. Question is, this is the continuation development for uh, their quarterback, Justin Fields, in which, in my humble opinion, is going to be a star quarterback in this league. So you get get the opportunity to see what you know how much more you can develop and surround him with. The Atlanta Falcons, on the other hand, they're they're starting to gain some traction, and every win matters for them for here on, from here on out. I do believe that they'll win today, and I'm taking the Falcons to go 27 to 24 over the Chicago Bears in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in Atlanta, Georgia. Our next game is probably a game which everybody was probably looking forward to seeing in Buffalo. But in the end, they got relocated to Detroit. The Buffalo Bills are the home team in this scenario as they take on the Cleveland Browns. A game that I went back and forth with for a number of reasons. What have we seen out of Josh Allen the last, you know, three games? Costly turnovers. The Cleveland Browns have nothing to lose going into this game. I believe this is a get-right game for Buffalo. I believe it is. It is a get-right game. I am going to take the Buffalo Bills in this game. 34-20 to 20 over the Cleveland Browns. Our next game... The Indianapolis Colts hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. The The Eagles coming off of an, uh, their first loss last week to the Washington Commanders. I think they'll have a bounce back game. The Colts, sadly, do not have enough offensive firepower to go toe-to-toe with the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts, as I mentioned earlier, playing some good football. The Eagles, this is this is their game for them. This is a gut check game. I think it'll be a battle of the defenses. It's going to be a battle of the run game. But in the end, I think the, the Eagles will have one more play up their sleeve to beat the Indianapolis Colts on a game-winning drive. With that being said, as much as it pains me to pick the Philadelphia Eagles, it really does. It pains me. And I know I said I would pick against them every week, but it pains me right now to pick them to beat the home state Indianapolis Colts 23-19 to in a very ugly football game from Lucas Oil Stadium. Moving on to another game that's very interesting. Another game I went back and forth on. I really did. Neither quarterback I'm, I'm impressed with. The Jets defense is good, but I'm not sold on Zach Wilson being the quarterback of the future for the New uh, New York Jets. The last time the Patriots, uh, the Jets won in Foxborough was 2011, if I'm not mistaken. It's been some years. It's been well. It's been a decade. 
But what do we know about Bill Belichick? These are the kind of games that he looks forward to. Those classic divisional games against. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The the Jets. I believe it'll come down to the defenses. I honestly do. I am going to take the New York Jets to win a very, very low scoring game in a battle of defenses and bad quarterback play from Zach Wilson. Give me the New York Jets to squeak past New England with a final score of 10 to 6 over the New England Patriots. Our next game, the New Orleans Saints hosting the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are just, they fell apart middle of the season. Actually, from week one, they really fell apart. The, the the loss of Cooper Rush last week was a blow. Allen Robinson has been a disappointment. Cam Makers hasn't been able to really find his footing. This Rams defense looks out of sorts. And their Super Bowl hangover is real. It is very much real. It's usually the loser who has the hangover, but it's the, the champion. And that's that rarely happens that a champion has a hangover carry on into the season I think this is more or less the the Los Angeles Rams are going to blow this team up as I stated you know a couple weeks ago and the chaotic truth is you're more than welcome to go back and listen to that particular episode the Los Angeles Rams are not making the playoffs and they're pretty much it's a wrap for them for 2022 the New Orleans Saints on the other hand Andy Dalton has played fairly good They've got Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave. The defense is, is pretty decent. And I think the, the Saints have been waiting for this matchup since the 2018 NFC Championship game, which they were robbed off of a preview, off of a pass interference that was not called. Even though Drew Brees was still the quarterback then, I think in the back of the Saints' minds, this still stings a little bit whenever they place you know they go up against the Rams it, it days like they want to beat the Rams because of what happened to that particular season I like the Saints in this matchup give me the New Orleans Saints 27 to 20 over the Los Angeles Rams moving on to what I am picking as my upset of the week this may sound crazy this may sound chaotic the Detroit Lions have nothing to lose going to the Meadowlands today. They beat the Packers and the Bears, which has put them on a two-game winning streak. Going to the Meadowlands to take on a very good and well-coached New York Giants team. Daniel Jones is still playing okay, but he's not a proven quarterback. Saquon Barkley probably, likely, off, maybe offensive player of the year. We don't know that for sure. 
But what do we know about the Detroit Lions? They're going to be in some ball games. They're going up against a quarterback in Daniel Jones who is scared some of the time to throw the football. And that's an advantage to the Detroit Lions. This Lions front with uh, Aiden Hutchinson is really good. It's just that their scoring defense is not great. It's near the bottom. But I am going with the upset that Dan Campbell will keep and neutralize Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. I am taking the Lions in the upset this week. That is my upset of the week. Give me the Detroit Lions 34-12 to 12 over the New York Giants as they prepare to go to A&T Stadium on this on next Thursday for Thanksgiving for the showdown with the NFC rival, my beloved Dallas Cowboys. Moving on to the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Carolina Panthers. A matchup of two quarterbacks who are familiar with one another. You know, being Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. Of course, you know, Baker started the first four seasons of his career with the Cleveland Browns. But the ideal roster and head coach, but couldn't get it done. Lamar Jackson is better than Baker Mayfield. I think the Ravens have a better roster than the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers are just... They're playing for pride right now. Baker Mayfield, do I say he's a bust? I'm not going to say that's neither here or there, but I like Lamar over Baker. I was a big Lamar fan coming, you know, with him coming out of that draft and all the media was saying, oh, he needs to play right receiver. He can't make throws in the, at the NFL quarterback level. All the hype surrounding Baker Mayfield, Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, going to Oklahoma, leading that team to double win se- uh, double digit win seasons, and being the first player taken overall. Lamar was the last player taken in the 2018 draft. Lamar Jackson has gotten better and better each year. Baker Mayfield, uh, a revolving door of head coaches and offensive coordinators, and then they just got tired of his immaturity and shipped him to Carolina. I like the Ravens in this matchup. I think Lamar will outplay uh, Baker Mayfield. And I believe the Ravens will get the win against the Carolina Panthers. Because the Ravens are trying to keep pace and at least securing a, a number two or number three seed in the in the AOC playoff picture right now. And staying ahead in their, in their division in the AOC North. Give me the Baltimore Ravens to win 23-10 over the Carolina Panthers. Moving on to a game which I went back and forth with. The Washington Commanders coming off of a big road win in Philadelphia Monday night and ending Philadelphia's uh, perfect season. I believe that the Texans will they'll have some signs of life, but they are at a disadvantage with, with personnel and head coaching. The Washington Commanders offense will probably be, they'll be they'll do enough. This defense will rattle Davis Mills quite a bit. I like the Commanders in this matchup. Give me the Commanders 24-10 to 10 
over the Houston Texans. Moving on to our 315-325 games. This matchup is a battle of an AFC West. Two teams that have went in polar opposite directions. Poor coaching. Quarterback play. There's no identity. It's a bunch of organized chaos in Denver with Russell Wilson. And some of the things that I read earlier this week about him having his own office in Denver. What in the what in the world and what in the name of chaos is going on with Russell Wilson? I don't know. This is a team, no Jerry Judy. Clint Kubiak is going to be calling the plays for the Denver Broncos because Nathaniel Hackett turned over the play call and duties to him. You got Josh McDaniels for the Vegas Raiders who are uh, a disaster right now. Got Derek Carr was crying, as you know, that I discussed earlier. Devontae Adams hasn't been able to get going. A defense that has no identity. Did both of these teams, who are they? Who are they? We're in week 12 or week 11, and these teams are horrible. Lofty expectations for Denver. The Raiders were going to compete in a very crowded AFC I was looking forward to this division being uh, like the best division of football. Sign me up because I was here for it. It's been a lot of duds. Two out of the four teams have been are pretty much in the playoff race with Kansas City and the Los Angeles Chargers, who I'll, I'll predict that score near the end of the show. For me, I think this is a game for the Raiders to win because... They're going to rally around their quarterback. They saw the the raw emotion that he displayed Sunday after that loss that they had. This is a team that's going to fight for one another. This is their time to fight for one another. Go out and get some wins. They are at home today despite all the chaos that they've endured the last year and a half. This is a game that they need to win. The Denver Broncos, on the other hand, where do they go from here? Daniel Hackett's probably fired after the end of the season. Then they start their head coaching job again, their their head coaching search. With that being said, give me the Las Vegas Raiders to get in a very emotional win over division rival Denver 29-17. Going to... The Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. This is going to be a very close game. If there's one thing that I can appreciate about the AFC North, that is a UFC cage match every time those teams match up. Cincinnati is on the road to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like what I've seen from Joe Burrow over the course of three seasons. The Pittsburgh Steelers are kind of, they're trying to figure out what they're, if Kenny Pickett is the guy or not. TJ Watt is back. Question is, I like Cincinnati in this game. But the question really is, can Zach Taylor outcoach Mike Tomlin? 
can the Cincinnati Bengals play a clean game without getting too far behind? Running the football with Joe Mixon is going to be beneficial. I believe Cincinnati wins this game. As much as I like Mike Tomlin, this is going to be a game that Cincinnati Bengals are going to win with a walk-off field goal by Eric McPherson. Give me the Bengals 31-28 to over division rival Pittsburgh. Now, to the game of the day that everybody is watching, that will be watching here shortly. The Dallas Cowboys playing on the road in Minnesota. And the U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The Cowboys have heard all week about their gaffe against the Green Bay Packers. This team and the coaches, they know what's at stake here. This is going to be a playoff game by all means in every stretch of the imagination. This is a validation game. For Rain Dakota Prescott. This is a statement game. For the Dallas Cowboys. I believe the Minnesota Vikings. Will come out. With. A sense of urgency. But. Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. The Cowboys know. They win. They need this game in the worst way possible. What's going to be. The tall tale of this game, quarterback play. I hope and pray that the that Dak Prescott, for everything that he's been through, that this solidifies his place for this season. When this game, the, the tension and pressure eases just a little bit, not by much. You lose this game, our road to the playoffs is only going to get tougher because we've got a lot of ground to cover if we lose this game. The Minnesota Vikings run the football very well with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. Justin Jefferson, one of the top five receivers in football. Adam Thielen, uh, Hot Day just got TJ Hawkinson, uh, Irv Smith Jr., I mean, this Minnesota Vikings offense is is stacked. But Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. What do we know about Kirk Cousins in big games? He doesn't show up. This is a 325 game, Central Time. 325 kickoff. The Minnesota Vikings are an underdog at home. I think it was a two and a half point uh, underdog to the Dallas Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott will be back. This team will have to play the best game they played all season today. Dak Prescott will have to play the best game of his NFL career today. This defense has to stop the run in order to help this offense. Put Kirk Cousins in unmanageable second and third downs. Because if we cannot stop the run... Dalvin is going to cook us all day, Cowboys Nation. He will cook us from start to finish. Give this defense, this defense, I need y'all to do all you can to stop Dalvin Cook. Get after Kirk Cousins. 
Bold prediction. Trayvon Diggs has a pick six against Kirk Cousins. Micah Parsons has uh, two sacks on Kirk Cousins. This Minnesota Vikings team will fold and crumble at the most inconvenient time. I believe that Ezekiel Elliott will have a monster game. Tony Pollard, if we can get him going, run the football. Run the football. Run the football, Dallas. Keep Kirk Cousins on the sideline. Mike McCarthy, tell Keller Moore, run the football. I want to see disciplined football today. I want to see this team get a much-needed statement win. Keep us in this playoff race because this game is, is as big as it comes all season. Because of this game, we fall short. A lot of questions are going to be added to what's already on the full plate. I believe the Dallas Cowboys will win this game. Because the Minnesota Vikings, Justin Jefferson said earlier this week that they were going to win this game. What if, what if you don't give your opponent who's coming off of a, a, a heartbreaking loss bullet to board material? It's time for this defense to show up. It's time for this offense to get going. You need all the help you can get. Run the football. Run it. Discipline football. Play to your strengths. Don't put Dak in a second and second and third and long all day where he's got to throw us back into the game. I believe the Cowboys get this win. Give me the Dallas Cowboys 34 to 27 over the Minnesota Vikings. Moving on to our Sunday night game. This is an interesting matchup. This inter- this matchup to me is basically the two teams. One of these two teams is going to win the AFC West. The Los Angeles Chargers are hosting the Kansas City Chiefs from SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, California. The Chiefs are without Juju Smith-Schuster and somebody else. I can't think of off the top of my head, but I know they're without Juju Smith-Schuster who suffered a, a gruesome hit last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They don't commit to the run. And Mahomes, they're going to rely on him to pull a rabbit out the hat to perform Mahomes' magic against a division rival in the Los Angeles Chargers. Much as I love Justin Herbert, he is at a disadvantage at head coach. He would do all he can to keep this team in the game. I believe the defense will help them keep him in the game. But in the end, it's Andy Reid. Patrick Mahomes, advantage Kansas City. Justin Herbert will put up astronomical nut. Will put up some monster numbers. Austin Eckler, they will run the football. I believe that the Chargers defense will keep this game relatively close to give Justin Herbert a chance at the end to lead the league, get them over, get to get to get them past Kansas City. With that being said, I am taking. The LA Chargers, 30 to 26 over the Kansas City Chiefs to keep their playoff hopes alive. Moving on to our Monday night game 
between the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. The 49ers are getting ready to take flight, ladies and gentlemen, as I said earlier in the show. They're getting ready to take flight. They're going to go are going to take on Arizona, which is in a, a, a mess right now. They got a the Cardinals got a win over the the Rams last week, but they're going up against a superior, but well better coached team in the San Francisco 49ers. I like the 49ers in this matchup. I think the 49ers are going to win this game. And they are going to inch that much closer to catching the Seattle Seahawks in the AFC West. Or NFC West, I should say. As long as Jimmy Garoppolo does not turn the ball over or does something crazy. The 49ers should win this game. I give the advantage over Kyle Shanahan. To outcoach Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury is probably coaching for his job from here on out. Because I don't think he's going to be back next year. Even though they gave him the contract extension. This team has been a mess. This team is the one team every year with the Arizona Cardinals that they start out looking good and then they fan out just like last year. Kyler Murray just looks like he's playing a video game. He doesn't look know what he's doing. It's just, just you know, street ball. You've got Buda Baker, you know, with his emotional speech after the game to the team. This Arizona Cardinals team is in, is in trouble. They've been in trouble, I should say. The 49ers are just going to add more misery to their 2022 season. Give me the San Francisco 49ers 31-23 to over the Arizona Cardinals. With that being said, that is all of our Week 11 picks. And I have some announcements I would like to make. Um, as you all know, the Chaotic Sports Podcast has been brought to you by the Grid Sports Podcast Network, uh, Dare to be Different, Step into the Grid, the new leaders in digital media, sports, and entertainment. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe to the YouTube channel and also on your wherever you listen to your podcasts on Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, iHeartRadio. We're, we're all over. But I want to get down to the the announcements before I end the day along with some sentimental thoughts because it's been a it's been a very interesting couple weeks in the world we live in and before we get to that I would like to announce that I will be doing a special show on Thursday morning to get you all ready for your Thanksgiving festivities uh, but you know Thursday being Thanksgiving I kind of put a little show together for for you all that will be recorded sometime Thursday uh, Thursday morning the Thanksgiving morning and um I'm really excited about it it is it's the first of two holiday shows for the chaotic sports podcast I'm in the process of working on the Christmas episode which I'm really excited about because we've got NFL on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day, along with the NBA games, which to me is when the real NBA season starts, is Christmas Day. Um, so be sure to be on the lookout on the Grid Sports Podcast Network for the uh, Thanksgiving Day special to get, you know, we'll break down the three games on, on the day and, you know, just kind of give you a recap of what happened, you know, from today and uh, the Monday night game, that, nothing real fancy, but just want to thought I'd, you know, put that out there for you all that, you know, I am planning on doing a, 
you know, special show. May do another show on Saturday. I haven't decided yet, but I do want to do the Thanksgiving. So, now that we got that out of the way, let's get down to the, the sentiments to end the show. As you all are aware, we had a uh, an on-campus shooting at uh, University of Virginia. Uh, three uh, football players were shot and killed by a teammate. I think he was a former teammate. It's just so much going on. I don't know what's going on in the minds of individuals or why you would you want to, you know, on campus shootings. It's 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 become too much. We talk about safety, you know, safety on campus, safety in the workplace and schools and it's it's almost like what what would give someone that that urge or that that audacity to go and kill your own teammates former teammates at that i can't really explain it but it breaks my heart that we have to have to keep talking about gun violence in america when will it stop when will we get to a point where enough is enough it's mentally exhausting it's depressing I don't like talking about it because it gives me anxiety. I look at the world we live in and it feels like we're not, we're, we're, we're uh, regressing. A whole lot is going on. And they had an overnight shooting at a, an LBGTQ nightclub in Colorado where lives were taken and several were injured. That's not the news you want to wake up to on a Sunday morning. There's too much. It's too much hate going on in our society. It's too much. And as someone who is, you know, deals with mental health, you know, anxiety and, and depression and everything that that goes, I, it's it's kind of difficult difficult to explain to my niece and nephew why this stuff is going on in our society i don't have the words my heart breaks for the families and friends of of these individuals whose lives were taken over a senseless hate crime it really breaks my heart when will we put the guns down when will we stop this hate in our society why why must it's it's a it's a pattern of behavior and a vicious cycle we can't break from i really don't know it's scary we live in a society where we it's fear people you don't know what's going to happen from day to day you don't know we don't know what's going to happen if we're going to see the next day or not and it's been a tough week for me in general and for the our the 90s kids who grew up watching uh Batman the animated series on you know Fox Kids you know Batman uh the voice of Batman Kevin Conroy passed away uh a week or two ago at the age of 65 and got 
news today that I would have never expected. As you all know, and if you follow me on Instagram, I am a huge Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fan. That is like my favorite kid show of all time. The news I did not expect to hear this morning about, let's say about 10 o'clock central time and just scrolling through, you know, Instagram and, you know, some of the former, you know, Power Ranger alumni had posted. It said, they said that uh, Jason David Frank, who played Tommy Oliver, you know, the first started out as the Green Ranger and then transitioned to the White Ranger, passed away untimely early this morning at the age of 49. If you grew up in the 90s, kids, 90s kids, you know where I'm going with this. We all could not wait to get out of school and go home and watch Mighty Morphin Power Rangers on Fox Kids before we did our homework. It was the show that really defined our childhood. A group of teens with attitude who drove Zords and had weapons and was mentored by... Zordon and Alpha 5. Tommy Oliver, the Green Ranger, was inserted and he fell into an evil spell with uh, Rita Repulsa's evil spell. He's the only Ranger that hijacked Megazord and destroyed the command center in one and in two episodes. As we grew into this, this Power Ranger fandom, Jason David Frank was the fan favorite. We all loved Tommy. He was the, the the favorite Ranger. You can say the Red Ranger, any other Rangers, but we liked Tommy Oliver because he had the Dragon Dagger and he had the coolest Zord and Dragon Zord. But when the writers and creators brought him back as the White Ranger and became the leader of the Rangers, that was one of the best moments in Power Rangers history. I was just watching that episode two weeks ago on YouTube. And I still get semi-emotional whenever he's given all of the, you know, the complete control and power to lead the team. Saba, the Enchanted Saber to assist him in battle and you know control the new Tiger Zord. It was... It was one of those moments that said, man, this is, you know, he's, he was the face of the Power Rangers franchise for a number of years. He was arguably the greatest Ranger of them all, if you really look at it. Then he was able to do, you know, Power Rangers Turbo and Zeo, which would, he was the Red Ranger, and Dino Thunder, which he was the, the Black and Gold Ranger, if I'm not mistaken. But at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen... Success doesn't take away personal imperfections. I don't know what he was dealing with in his his personal life as a whole, but you know there was you know that a story had come out a few weeks ago about you know his wife, second wife Tammy, was divorcing him and and everything. But I think at the end of the day. There, it was something much bigger that was going on that he just couldn't cope with. And I say this 
often on my show. And I'm trying not to get emotional myself when I when I say this, but bear with me. Please take care of your mental health. It is okay to not be okay. It's all right if you need to go to a therapist. If you need to go see a counselor, do that, please, for the sake of argument. Please do not inflict self-harm on yourself. I don't know where I would be today if I had not went to therapy. In a time in my life where I had fought with anxiety and then depression most most of my teenage years and young adult life because I didn't know how to cope with it. I'll say this much. My niece saved me from losing my mind when she was six weeks old in a time of my life where everything was very chaotic she saved me from myself and I love her dearly to this very day she herself deals with separation anxiety we've have we've got this bond that's unbreakable the relationship that we have is second to none she's she's my security blanket to a degree and I'm her security blanket with everything that she's been through I think that we were able to get through it together she's a very delicate gentle little girl she is my world and my heartbeat and one of the main inspirations for this podcast and chaotic. Her and my nephew. I love both of them dearly. I really do. And I, I don't think I would be here today without them. Because there was a time that I, I literally thought I was going to lose my mind. Because I had dealt with so much throughout my adult life. But the precious little girl... At six weeks old, melted my heart and gave me a new perspective. Just to hear her cry for the first time when she was an infant, I was like, "Man, this is this is a different feel." It's like there was a sense of calmness and, and closure. But when COVID hit two years ago, it was really trial and error for all of us. I didn't think that. I would had gotten through it. My niece reminded me every day that everybody has to, you know, get that one, get that cry or two out of their system. And I, I love my niece. I love you, Spunkaroo. I love you, my little Spunker star. I'll, I'll let it be known on to the podcast audience. I love my niece with all my heart and soul. I really do. I, I can't stress that enough. If you've got nieces and nephews, you know, be that strong influence in their life. Be that strong influence. I've been there for my niece through good and bad times, along with my nephew. We've weathered a lot of storms. And we're still going through some of them, you know, here and there. But it's it's life in general. But I wouldn't be where I am today without my niece. I wouldn't. My niece, my nephew, my mom, of course, is my biggest fan. And it's 
I, I can't stress that enough. Family means everything to me. I may not have kids of my own, but I love my niece and nephews if they were my own kids. Because they've, they've basically been my kids since they were a year old and six weeks. I've done everything for them. I've been with them through the good and the bad and the chaotic times. Someday, I know they'll appreciate me. They'll appreciate what I've done for them. As they get older, they'll realize that their uncle Pat was one of the best things that happened to them. It took me a while to understand and really, you know, accept the role as, you know, a strong male influence in their life. And I'd handle that with, with grace and elegance. There's been times I wanted to give up. There's been times I wanted to just run away from it. But I always think about my niece and nephew that everything I do is for them. And I love each, I love both of them with all my heart. My nephew may work my nerves sometimes. But at the end of the day, I, I manage. I try not to let my emotions get the best of me. My niece, like I said, she's she's my heartbeat. For real. I, I, I can't stress that enough. I, she's my heartbeat. And, and just like I said, my deepest condolences goes out to the family and friends of Jason David Frank, a.k.a. Tommy Oliver, the Green Ranger slash White Ranger slash Red slash Black and Gold Ranger from Dino Thunder. I hope and pray that you all are in a safe space mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and intimately. If you need to see a therapist or a counselor, please do. I shouldn't have to beg you to go see a therapist. Only you know if you need to go see a therapist. It's the life and the society we live in is too much. It's okay to break down and cry. I had those moments from time to time. I'm not ashamed of admitting my imperfections and flaws in my life. I'm not ashamed of it. But I know whenever I do need help, I pick up the phone and call my counselor or my therapist to schedule an appointment. If I'm not able to get to my therapist, use your resources to do what you need to do. If you listen to podcasts, there's plenty of mental health podcasts out there to help you cope. Take time out to do self-care uh bubble baths you'll take walks you know i know the weather's cold here in the midwest but wherever you may be please please get as much sunlight as you can journal light incense you know cook clean you know do do something to keep your mind occupied podcasting keeps me occupied online courses i like to color that's a very good form of 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 mental health uh, therapy right there is coloring because we all can sit down and color coloring books whether you use coloring crayons or color pencils i prefer color pencils you know there's you know woodworking you know people take up you know cooking knitting whatever the case may be to keep your mind off of inflicting self-harm with that being said if nobody's told you today that they love you 
I love you. You are loved, valued, and appreciated. Please take care of yourself. I know the holidays, the big two holidays to end the calendar year is upon us. Thanksgiving, we're used to having, you know, big family gatherings. And within the last few years, it's been, you know, twos and fews. And I know everybody does their own thing. Christmas is the biggest holiday of the year with family. And I know there's going to be a lot of empty seats at the Thanksgiving table. I completely understand. But don't grieve for the for the law you may be grieving for the loss of the individual but celebrate the life that they lived that they lived a full life there's going to be a lot of emotions because you're used to seeing those individuals at your thanksgiving table and the laughter and their their overall presence but i've always told myself i celebrate the life that they lived even though i missed them physically they're still here in spirit. They're still within the heart. The memories that we share with those individuals. And Christmas is usually the toughest one for everybody. I I completely understand that as well. It's been it's been difficult. And I know we're not out of the out of the woods with you know with the flu and, and COVID and everything. Please make sure you're taking care of yourself and protecting yourself from various illnesses within our within the air in which we breathe please make sure that you're consuming a lot of water and vitamin c and make sure you're getting adequate rest take time to you know take power naps don't don't exalt don't exhaust yourself and you know make yourself sick i've done that a few times and it is not fun but nevertheless Depression and anxiety is a real thing, y'all. I cannot stress that enough. I hope and pray that everybody enjoyed this this show today. We had our fun at the beginning, and we always have to the end with the sentiments on you know mental health. I that's very important to me, and I thank you all for taking time out of your out of your schedules to listen. Be sure to. Like, share, comment, subscribe to the Grid Sports Podcast Network on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you may listen to your podcast. Be sure to follow us on our socials. Um, I will see you all Thursday after Thursday morning. Please enjoy your short work week and school week. Stay safe. I love y'all. Take care. God bless. I'm going to go enjoy this Cowboys game and cook me some some ribeyes. I have some ribeyes marinating. The Philly special chicken wings are done. And if you follow me on social media, Cowboys Nation, that cakes for all of us. I have a whipped topping, a whipped icing cake that I special ordered. It's going to be delicious. I'm going to enjoy today, hoping for a Cowboys win, and just enjoying, you know, the next few hours, what's left of the sunlight, but that is all the chaos for today. Once again, thank you all for listening. Be sure to check out our our, our platform for all content, 
Shout out to all my great teammates, Barry Grant Jr., Bryson Carver, Ryan Flowers, Alfred Parshar Jr., and our our brothers up in over at the Cowboys Can Fam. Shout out to them. Crack them if you got them. That is all for today. I will see you all Thursday morning. Be safe. God bless. Peace out.